Hi, this is Paul Shortino from King Cobra. You're listening to Focus on Metal with Scott Thompson. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to episode 573 of Focus on Metal. Got yet another long one for you this week as Richie sits down and talks with vocalist Paul Shortino. Yep, that's right. The voice up in the front of the episode is actually the guy we're talking to in the episode for once. So we've had Paul on the show a whole bunch of times. Always great to have on. And I think that uh, he might even rival while Mick Brown for the longest answers to any questions asked. And that is a pretty hard feat to uh, actually do. But as usual, Paul's got a whole crap load of stuff going on. That seems to be his life, which I guess is pretty cool. And the primary reason Paul is with us this week is because there's a brand new King Cobra album out. It is called We Are Warriors. And that has obviously got Paul on vocals with uh, Carmine Apice on the drums, Carlos Cavazzo and Rowan Robertson on guitars and Johnny Rod on bass. So that is the uh, primary reason that that Paul is with us this week, but obviously we'll go through a whole bunch of other stuff with him as well. Other things that he has coming out, some things he had that came out during the pandemic that he's kind of given a heads up of, hey, didn't really happen because of what was going on. So maybe I'm going to give it a, a brand new shot. What's going on with Rough Cut? What's going on with Rock Meets Classic? Like I said, this guy is very, very busy. So this week, uh, as usual, when you know Richie's talking to somebody like Paul, we'll get into the new stuff. We'll get into some old stuff as well. Dig a little bit into the history vaults. But overall, it's a very long, very good chat with Paul. And one other thing as well, I just want to get you warned up front so you're not like in firm what the fuck territory. But uh, between Richie having some technical stuff, Paul having some technical stuff, which got to be kind of a running joke with the two of them during this. There's a couple of times where he drops out. They have to restart again. And uh, but. Yeah, I kind of left it in there pretty much warts and all. But having said all that and knowing that this is going to be a long one, I'm going to turn it over to my buddy Richie and Paul Shortino. Hey, buddy. Yeah, Paul, you back? One of my one of my in-ears fell out, so it disconnected me. I'm sorry about that. No, you're cool. You're cool. So you want to, we'll, get, we'll get into the interview. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready all whenever right. you want. I got a lot of questions. So I, the first question I always ask the singers... Um, like yourself, how has your voice changed over the years and how difficult has it been to adapt to the changes? Actually, my voice, uh, I uh, I perform uh, every Saturday when I'm not out touring and everything or recording in the studio. I, I keep my voice in shape uh, doing all kinds of different songs, including my own material at a French restaurant that sits on a lake here in Las Vegas. So for the last three New Year's, I, after COVID, they called me and I've become very good friends with the owners and they're very cool people. And uh, so I, I just went in recently because I've been touring with this thing called the Icons of Rock and Roll. 
in April of next year, I'm doing Rock Meets Classic. And some of the people on the bill are uh, Scott Gorham and the other guitar player from Thin Lizzy. Uh, also, uh, Manford Man. There's quite a few different people that are performing um, on this where they have a rock band and then they have an orchestra. And we're doing arenas in April. But I'll be doing Stay With Me Tonight, Come On, Feel the Noise, and Bang Your Head. Uh, these icons of rock, we've been touring South America with uh, Wally Palmer from the Romantics, uh, Alex Lieberwood from Santana, who did I'm Winning, Dave Pickler, who did uh, Eye of the Tiger, uh, Johnny Edwards, who joined Porner after Lou left. The first, he was the first uh, actual singer to replace Lou. And... Um, Fran Cosmo, Dave Evans. Fran was with Boston for a while and Dave Evans. But it's been a great show. It's about three hours. We've been playing arenas and stuff in South America. We played Bolivia, Mexico. Uh, we're supposed to do Peru, Argentina. So between that and me uh, doing uh, Keeping My Voice in Shape, uh, playing acoustic, uh, and just doing any kind of song I like, you know, anywhere from uh, Billy Joel's I'm in a New York state of mind, you know, I mean, in uh, old standards from Sinatra and Etta James. And so I keep my voice in shape, basically um, doing all kinds of different uh, types of music. And, um, and, you know, try to keep myself busy. I'm fortunate I have a studio on here. And uh, my voice, I keep messing with it. There's different uh, textures of my voice. I did a song called I Feel Fine. And it's it's in a lower register of my voice where it's, uh, I woke up this morning to the falling rain. So it's, you know, it's a different texture of the voice. I'm very fortunate that I have different textures of my voice because I woke up this morning <laughs> in the morning rain. You know, so I mean, it doesn't, whatever fits the, the song is what I, uh, I know. But I, I've been very fortunate considered, considering uh, a lot of my uh, friends, well, look at Glenn Hughes, he bounced back. David retired, David Coverdale, uh, one of my favorite singers. Paul Rogers still sounds the same. He's taking care of himself and his voice. And I just try to take care of myself and my voice. And I've been, you know, I've been very blessed. God has blessed me to be able to keep keep my voice. I'm right now thinking of doing a uh, uh, gospel Christian kind of record. Hmm kind of what Elvis did, you know, it was one of his largest selling records ever doing a gospel record. And so I kind of wanted to do that, you know, and uh, just reach out to different, different parts of my, my upbringing and what I love in music. You know, I love my grew up, my mother was a singer. So I grew up listening to funny Valentine, uh, 
you know, some Tony Bennett and my dad loved music, but he couldn't sing or play music, but uh, grew up to Sinatra, Dean Martin, Al Martino, a lot of the Italian singers. And my dad loved all kinds of music, so I was very fortunate. My mom's side of the family was all into music. I had a great uncle that played banjo, guitar, ukulele, and um, her whole side of the family, my mother's side of the family, were uh, involved in that. And, uh, she was Scotch, I was German, and my dad's Sicilian, so I don't know what I have in me from that side. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the soul that I have from the Moorish, yeah. the Moors invading uh, Sicily. But uh, I grew up listening to a lot of different kind of music. I loved uh, R&B, and I loved Sam Cooke. Uh, Marvin Gaye, David Ruffin, some of those guys, and Stevie Wonder were my biggest influences, um, other than Paul Rogers and Steve Marriott and Robert Plant. I mean, all those guys are brilliant, you know? So it was playing in clubs for a long time when I um, got Rough Cut kind of together, was formed and Ronnie Dio got involved. I was doing, playing in a lot of cover bands and clubs in Los Angeles. So I was sounding like, you know, you know, one that deals the trying to sound like Steve Perry, trying to sound like Lou Graham was a, one of my favorite singers, you know, but trying to emulate the people that, you know, I was, doing a song of in, in the club circuit. So it took me a while to find who I was, and Ronnie was trying to bring that out to, in, in the studio with me, and uh, I found myself trying to be like him when I started saying, you know, except mm. for the stars thing. That's when I started to really find who Paul was. Mm. And having a studio at the house, it really be able, you're able on your own time to hone in and find who you really are but I think that a, a singer, a performer that's behind the glass and there's a, there's someone in the other room, I think you uh, try to do your best not to say that you're not doing your best in the studio because you can go in the studio and do one line at a time and you go into a recording studio and you're under a time frame and, you know, how much money you're spending and whatnot. So you can get a little bit more, you can redo your song to where you're looking up your hind end when you have it in your own studio. So, you know, it's kind of nice to have someone on the other side going, hey, I know you can do this. Come on, push it a little bit harder. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, Paul. So, anyways, I'm just really grateful that I do have a studio and I was able to co-produce this record. Uh, they all actually dropped it. If I was going to be the producer, totally, and Pat Reagan was going to mix the record, but when I started sending Pat files after they all showed up in my studio, Carmen's drums, uh, Johnny Rod flew out from Florida to play his bass. 
Uh, and, and then Carlos did all his recording in his studio, and Rowan came over here, and we worked uh, collectively on ideas. Mm. And uh, that's how the record, it took over a year to put this thing together. And uh, after we did that record, uh, Michael Boss, who produces Michael Shanker, says, I've got some material that's not heavy metal, it's kind of like Police and Zeppelin. And, and so I got Carmine and Phil Susan uh, interested in maybe, you know, doing something. So we, we, we finished that project in 30 days. So it was like... <laughs> nice. Nice. But the King Cobra record, it came out really good. Um, it's the first thing, uh, Bob Daisley's on there as a bass player as well. Uh, I believe he did Trouble. And, um... Paul, how did Bob end up playing on the record? That was Carmine's, uh, idea. He wanted to reach out to Bob and ask him to see how they played with Rod Stewart. Uh, so he, he wanted to bring him in. Uh, and also on Dancing, it's the first time that Tony Cavazzo and Carlos uh, recorded the song together, you know, so. Hmm. So uh, some of the stuff I had to go in, and I, I played bass for a long time, and I played guitar and whatnot, but side by side I wrote, it's on the, it's on the CD, it's not on the, uh, the vinyl. And uh, Carmine came up with us. Uh, a little bit of a drum bot, so I, I gave him some credit on that. But that was a song that was sitting around, and I pretty much played the 12 string on that, and um, which is in the verse. And uh, then the other guys just added some stuff to it. And it's really crazy how the whole album came together. Mm. Paul, Paul are, you, are you surprised that you're doing a new King Cobra record? Like, it's been a 10 year break. Well, you know, I, I was kind of surprised seeing how in between and during the COVID time, I put out a Rough Cut 3 album with um, that's on DDR Music Group that uh, Matt, Amir, and myself did alone. And because uh, Chris and Dave would decided to reform Rough Cut, and I got a call from Matt and Amir, and they said, they, you know, we recorded these songs that they're releasing and they're releasing with a different singer. And I came up with the name Rough Cut. And so they called me and said, hey, would you mind really? I said, well, let me hear the vocals that I recorded in 2017. And we did a, a Rough Cut 3 the first time in 30 years, 30 plus years and released it. And then after that, I did a record with, uh, during COVID, Tracy G, and we titled it Blue Dahlia, and it's kind of like um, Gary Moore meets Led Zeppelin kind of vibe. It was really cool. We did a, a record, and, um, and then I found some tracks of um, Bad Boys after I um, departed from quiet riot I put the band together I had a solo deal and, and um, could have done the record myself but I decided to make it a band 
And uh, instead of it being Paul Shortino's solo album after leaving Quiet Riot, and um, and then uh, I had a tape that was sitting in a DAP for over 30 years, and it's been sitting in the heat. And I pulled it out, and it was a song called King of Thieves, never been recorded. So uh, this company, DVR Music, released Blue Dahlia, and they also released this. Uh, Bad Boys CD. So I did a lot of work while COVID was down. Thank God I had a lot of stuff to do in the studio. And um, the Rough Cut 3 did was really accepted well. Um, there was this, on Spotify, there, there was a uh, song that went 65,000 plus kind of viral that said, don't say a word. And it was, they used it for some commercial or something on uh, Spotify, whatever, how you say that. And, um, hmm. you know, so I, I, that was the first time we did something in, in a long time, and uh, it came out really good. The project I did um, uh, while COVID was had the world shut down was kept me busy. And then uh, Carmine out of the blue, um, asked me if I would be interested. Before that, uh, I got a call from these uh, people that were affiliated with uh, Rating the Rock Ball and um, said that they had this thing called the Icons of Rock. Would I be interested in touring with these singers and this incredible band, the players that have played with everybody? And back, you know, two chick singers and, um, and De uh, Dexter, uh, Espinosa, who uh, he actually uh, worked with Bobby Kimball for a long time. So I was doing that. We've been playing, you know, 20,000 know, Cedars festivals down in South America and uh, Mexico. So uh, after finishing those records, all of a sudden, you know, I'm out touring. And, um, but Carmine reached out to me just as COVID uh, finished and said, hey, let's do, uh, Cleopatra wants to do a King Cobra record. Cause the other two records were on Frontier and Carmine was doing some stuff and Cleopatra were interested. I actually did a record and released it with, man, Doug Aldridge was on it, Phil Susan, uh Jay Schilling on drums, uh, pretty much anybody that was in Raiding the Rock Vault, I had a guest appearance on my record uh, called Make a Wish that was released out of Japan. And uh, we did a remake of Sending the Clowns and Carrot Tops in the video and Tabitha Stevens. It's on YouTube. It was released April 24th, just before they shut down the world with COVID. So mm. it was a bad time to release that record. Great record. Peter Boltz is on it from Accept. Uh, he does an incredible bass solo on uh, uh, this uh, song called Vegas. And uh, I'm trying to think how else is on the record. There's so many people that is on that record that uh, I was sure it was going to do well, and it probably would have done well 
and the videos are they're way beyond what we expected. Uh, Tablet's husband did some showtime stuff, so he came in with his equipment, and the lighting people who do all the mysterious stuff did the lighting on this. I had a vision of it being completely black with lighting and fog and stuff, and the video came out great. Benny Paul played drums on this. We cut this drums in this song years ago, and Ira Black came up with the arrangement, and then we recut it for my album, Make a Wish, and uh, Marco Mendoza played bass on it. Uh, and this, uh, Nozuma Waki, this guitar player from Japan, has played with Ronnie Romero, has done a lot of stuff. Did the guitar work, and we wrote songs together. It, 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 uh, it's a really good record. Mm. It's a shame. The shame it got kind of, you know, just buried because of COVID. But, you know, I'll re release it down the road. But, uh, yeah, Carmine called me out of the blue, and um, we went through guitar players. Mick didn't want to do it. Uh, Dave Hensling didn't want to do any more records with King Cobra after the last one he did. Um, Paul, so, are, uh, Paul, are the reasons Mick and David aren't on the record, are they the same reasons or are they both different? What do you mean the same reasons? Like, David didn't want to do a record because the last one, and Mick doesn't want to do a record. Um, are they the same? Do both of them just not want to do the record for the same reason or... Do they have different uh, reasons for not doing it? I think, uh, well, on the last two records, Mick didn't really put too much effort into it, you know? Mm. Uh, and then we did the um, Have a Good Time video uh, at Vamped, and I had a bunch of people in it where Caratop, Benny Paul was in the video, Zach Wilde, uh, Ace Freely. It was a great video, but it was about the club in Vegas called Bamp that everybody got it's the best rock and roll club and Danny Coker from Counting Cars it's his joint and his wife runs it and um, so you know we did the video there and um, then we did Sweet and Rock Fest it didn't turn out as good as we hoped it would because the band hadn't been playing together for very long and so you know I I think the reasons why Nick didn't want to do another record because he rejoined Bullet Boys, but I don't know. That was for a while, right after we did the second record. Yeah. And David just, he wanted to just travel. He really didn't want to do music anymore. Okay. And, um, uh, I mean, that was the impression I got because me and David did the second album. We did a lot of the work on it. And he just thought it was going to be too much work. And I can tell you, it was a lot of work. Being the hub for everybody's files, the way this record came down is we would put ideas down or Carlos would send his, say, a finished song with a click track. Then I'd send that to Carmine, stems with a click separately, and then he'd cut his drums. Then he'd send his drums back to me and then Carlos and Rowan would have to cut their drum, to cut their guitar parts, 
to the drums. I did all of the uh, demo bass parts because we didn't, you know, Johnny didn't have access to a studio, so I would lay bass parts down. And so basically, that's why the record took a long time, is because we would collectively, me and Rowan would sit here collectively, and I would hum some ideas to him, and he would play them his way, and then we would, you know, record those and piece those ideas together. And um, even his solos, Carlos did all his stuff in, at his home, and some of the stuff we collectively would talk and him and Rowan. There's some solos on the album that Rowan's doing one part. There's a few things they do collectively, but very little. And uh, it was a lot of work. You know, it came to me, and then I had to have those guys play their parts clean because Pat Reagan wanted to mix the songs not just with their guitars having their effects on them, but also, he wanted a clean guitar so he could put it, run, run it through something, a plug-in that he had in his system that supposedly Richie Blackmore really liked for his guitar sound. And I guess he had certain programs that he wanted to run the guitar through clean so that when he did mix it, they stood out frequency. So... You know, I left the mixing up to him, and um, and then I decided he was doing some really cool stuff, and uh, so I, I I I relinquished some of the production on that and gave him credit on that because he was doing some really cool stuff, mm. and I uh, you know that he should get credit for uh, uh, those kind of ideas, uh, but the production part of it, I pretty much did a lot of it because I did a lot of that. Writing uh, uh, all the bold, all the melodies and lyrics and everything, uh, I pretty much, except for a little bit. And Robbie Lochner, who plays with, um, he was going to be in the band, but he was touring with Jack Russell. Yeah, that's how I got there. Carlos, or I think it was Carlos or Rowan involved in the project. So he he, he actually put some ideas down. He he wrote one of the songs on the album. Uh, I think it was Drive, musically. So it was kind of a really interesting way to do a record. You know, it took a long time because of the process, but it uh, it got everybody playing to the drummer instead of the drummer. Because Carmine plays, he plays around a click track. He doesn't play to a click track. The click's going, and he's playing grooves around that click like if it was another instrument, mm. you know? Yeah. So, and, uh, so, Paul, it, it was you then that brought Carlos and Rowan to the project because you got a past history with both of them. Like Rowan with Reading yes, the Rock uh, Vault and, of course, Carlos with Quite Riot. Yes. Um, w- yes, w- we were going to use somebody. He wanted to use Robbie Lautner, and then he uh, also wanted to use... Uh, uh, a young guy that uh, replaced Nick and uh, Jordan. Uh, I can't think of his last name right now, but he uh, he's a young, up-and-coming, great guitarist. And um, we uh, 
I said, well, let me let me reach out, you know. I think you know this this King Cobra would really be cool if we had some made it a um, super group, pretty much. You know, with those guitar players, and they're so different. Mm. Um, Paul, you had a band a few years ago called Rough Riot, and it fizzled out. It was you, Carlos, I think Sean McNabb, and Chris and Dave, Chris Hagar and Dave Alford, wasn't it? What happened to yes. that band? Well, what had happened was I got a phone call one day. It was my idea to put this band together. So what I did, I went out, <laughs> I got an LLC and put everybody on there as an equal member of the LLC, which I'll never do again because I did the same thing with Repka. I should have owned the name. It was my idea to put Repka because I was in Rough Cut along with the two guys, Chris and Dave, and Riot. I was in Quiet Riot with Sean, with Carlos and Sean McNabb. So I figured, okay, this would be a great project to combine some of the songs that I had recorded with Carlos and Sean, and also with Dave Alford and Chris in Rough Cut. So we combined some Rough Cut songs that fit and some Quiet Riot songs that fit. Of course, the the hits, you know, I, I don't sing like Kevin. Kevin was a great singer in his own right, and uh, I never, ever tried to take his place, even though I was in the band. We sing totally different, and I still don't even sing those songs the way he sang them because... I want to do it my do it my way, and I I'm not giving justice to come on build the noise Kevin's way, which is a Slade song, anyways. Or Mental Health, uh, Mental Health is more in my uh, bluesy vibe because I'm more of tend towards the blues uh, rock kind of side, and uh, so. What happened to that band was I get a phone call one day. We did a few. It was basically set up to for working purposes to get out and play, and hopefully that we could write some new material together. But being people being in different states, I being in California or Las Vegas, and all them in California, I'm having the, really the only major studio. To get everybody together to come up here was it just it was just really hard to, to write music. So guys were getting frustrated, and uh, two guys that got really frustrated were um, Chris Hager and Dave Alford. And at the same time, uh, Sean and Carlos were a little frustrated that Dave and Chris, when we did rehearsals, weren't getting the groove just and doing the parts. Uh, close enough to uh, what we the quiet riot stuff that we were doing. So and uh, rough cut stuff was being played fine. So those guys called and said that um, you know they didn't want to play with those guys and the other guys. Uh, David and uh, Chris didn't want to play with Sean and Carlos. And so I had to make a decision. And um, I said, well, they didn't know that those guys didn't want to work with those guys either. 
and it was nothing personal. It was just things just weren't they weren't flowing like they you know they should when you have a project. So we spent months trying to trying to get the name back, you know, because I had put everybody down on the LLC. And they weren't going to sign off, uh, Dave and Chris, uh, and let go of Rough Riot. So we were in litigation over something that really wasn't making any money. But I personally, seeing how I came up with the name, it was it was a, the matter of principle. And uh, you know, uh, to me that uh, they should just relinquish the name. And I was putting out at that time, I was just re getting ready to release. I was just having the mixes back from Make-A-Wish, the Japanese record that I released on Ward Records. And so I played them a couple tracks. And so while we were in litigation for Rough Riot, Dave and Chris behind Matt and Amir and myself were going after the rights to have the name Rough Cut. So that's how we came. We lost each other. Yeah, your in ears fall out again, Paul. No, I don't know what happened. It just went, um, the line just went dead. Where, where we were at? Where were we? Where um, you finished was Chris and Dave went after the name Rough Cut. Okay, yeah, they went after the name Rough Cut, and so Amir and Matt and myself are the majority. So we put out. They put out a video of uh, Bed of Black Roses, and or we did a song called Bed of Black Roses, and they came out with a video called Black Rose. Well, these songs were written in 2017 by, and the Rough Cut guys, we all agreed that we would never, ever play with other members. We always would, like other bands, they get members in, and, you know, they go through members, look at like King Cobra, okay? Well, Rough Cut made a pact that we would never do a record or go out and try to do anything without the original players um, that that were recorded on Warner Brothers. Because we, we had a lot of original players in Rough Cut, Jakey Lee, Craig Golding, and guitars, uh, Claude Schnell, and Christopher Pinelli, who was in Rad at one time. We had a, a, quite a stable of players that were in the band before we were signed to Warner Brothers. So we all made a pact that the guys in Warner Brothers that were on Warner Brothers would, um, you know, never go out without. So what they did behind our back, they came out with a video. So Matt and Amir said, let's just, Paul, check out your vocals see if we want to change anything on your vocals that you recorded in 2017. And uh, so I fixed some things and we released uh, a Rough Cut 3, the first one in, in um, 30 some years. And uh, it was a good record. Mm. Paul, and Carlos, Carlos played on it. Yeah. 
was cool. Mm. And so um, those guys finally relinquished, um, kind of just kind of dissolved. They did a few gigs and they dissolved. Once once our record was released, the DDR Music Group, um, they kind of just dissolved. Mm. And... Uh, and it was over, yeah. you know, because we got an attorney and they couldn't go on with the majority of of guys, me, Amir, and Matt against Dave and Chris. I mean, then we had the majority vote. Uh, however, both Matt and Amir said, Paul, if, if anybody should ever go out and sound like Rough Cut, it could be you. Because you could put a band behind you and... It's your voice that's recognizable to rough cut fans. So, anyways, um, that came from those guys. And I said, you know, I would never do that. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, I've never went out to do that. Even when uh, I did a couple solo records, I did, you know. Yeah. Um, Paul, what what sort of relationship do you have now with, with Chris and Dave, if any? I haven't spoken to him. Dave moved to Carolina, and I haven't spoken to Chris. Um, I don't hold anything against him. You know what? Life's too short. I'm not that kind of a person. Yeah, I don't hold anything mm. anybody. I I think they could have. I told them, and and Matt and Amir said the same thing. If you guys want to go out as Chris and Dave's rough cut, that's cool with us. Because then you're not just you're not deceiving the fans, but when you're going out as rough cut and you're showing old footage of the, all of us, then when fans come to see the band, they're not seeing the original members, and so uh, I think that's what was the big deal. With I could have cared less, to be honest with you, if they really wanted to go and do that. You know, that was fine, because really, Rough Cut is a, like a, a cult following of, of uh, we missed the big window, even though we were signed earlier, and for some of the bands that made it big during that time period, we waited a year for a producer, uh, Ted Templeman had signed the band, so we waited a year to get a producer that was... Um, going to produce a band and during that time you know timing's everything when it comes to music movies whatever and um, we missed that that door it shut down with Tipper Gore's uh, slapping on a um, we lost our A&R Tom Wally to Capitol uh, just after they signed us so we had nobody rooting and tooting for us and we were out on a huge tour with Ronnie that was actually uh, the Sacred Heart tour but we first went out with Crocus and Accept and then did a uh, uh, West Coast leg with just Accept became really tight with those guys and um, you know I did this final tap thing during that tour and we couldn't get a line check and the Crocus saw the movie and they found out that I was in Rough Cut and they said, can, can we meet Duke Fame? And then we all of a sudden got a line check and uh, 
and you know it's kind of funny how that that movie has opened up a lot of doors for me in such a small part mm. but uh, but anyways uh, yeah I, I'm still good with those guys you know and I like I really didn't care if they like I said we had a cult following if they wanted to go out even with Ken Gober, it's like starting over because it's been years. So to go out and tour, you got you got to do the uh, how you do this thing again. You're not gonna you might get on some festivals, but you're gonna play clubs. You're not gonna do any re- arena things. And this icons of rock, which is cool, is that we're doing arenas not here in the states, but we're doing arenas in South America. They've got some bookings in Europe and uh, Spain in the near future. So. Mm. And a comic book's coming out, too, called The Icons of Rock. So I'm kind of just, uh, I'm just letting uh, the, the cards fall and just keep plugging at it, you know? Yeah. I turned 70 this year, and no spring chicken, so. <laughs> hey, Paul, I want to ask you. my teeth and my hair and my <laughs> voice, so. <laughs> I'm very grateful. Yeah. Paul, I want to ask you about the title track on on the King Cobra record. And it seems to celebrate the scene you came from as a musician and that you're thankful that you can still do what you do. Now, if someone had asked you in the early 80s that you'd still be singing and performing the songs you're known for 40 years later, like would you have told them you were, they were crazy? seen it happen that's why Jimmy Hendrix he just kind of lost it because he had to play Purple Haze all the time but I've been actually been very fortunate that I did Rough Cut didn't have a big hit song Quiet Riot we got some radio play with Stay With Me Tonight which um, you know I think would have been that record would have done better if we would have toured and we had a tour set up Things didn't work out. Frankie's mother got ill, and he was out with Wasp because he was making money instead of putting money out. You know, when you go out on the road as a headliner, you have to spend some money. So I'm actually um, doing, I did a remake of Dreamin' Again, very Latin style with percussion and strings and not a heavy version of it. Um, And, yeah, I'm... I would say, I wouldn't think I'd be playing some of the songs, but um, I'm grateful. What I've been doing is I, I find myself, because I was in Quiet Riot, one of the only few members that were on CBS, because after that, when I left the band, the band did, didn't do any more records on a major level label. They were on a small label. So I'm um, plagued with singing come on, feel the noise and mental health um, on a lot of things. So just recently, uh, we've added to the icons of classic rock, Dreaming Again. I was doing that acoustically, and I uh, uh, don't want to be your fool, which I did on the Quiet Ride album. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, mean, I have a bunch of solo stuff that I did. I did some stuff with Jeff Northrip. Uh, back on track. There's some great songs on there. And um, uh, even on Make-A-Wish, there's a, a ballad that it's called Make-A-Wish. And um, it, 
there's a video out there of it, and it's a ballad, and uh, it's a really good song. However, uh, I, I find myself, I want to do um, uh, a record of just songs that I love. Songs I grew up listening to, my mom, like I said, I would like to do a gospel record. Um, Paul, and, Paul, whose, um, Paul, whose idea was it to do Love Hurts on the King Cobra record? That was my idea. Okay. And We Are Warriors, basically, is... That was Carlos's idea, because I was kind of thinking of, like, the, the movie, and we did the video, sort of like the We Are Warriors, the movie. Mm. But, you know, uh, back in the 80s, you had Motley Crue, you had Rat, Dawkin, uh, and even I took some lines in the song, you know, you're going to bang your head, come on, come feel the noise, bang your head, we're going to rock the night and wake the dead. I was trying to take a little yeah. tongue-in-cheek thing, mm -hmm. you know, some people I, I on social media thought it was a little cheeky, but basically it's just, it's just kind of, uh, you know, I'm in a, in a slick back Cadillac, wild and young. You keep me hanging on to the, you know, yeah. Carmine did you keep me hanging on. You know, so I kind of took, you know, these guys are, are, they're huge icons. I mean, I'm so honored to be performing with them. I mean, I saw Carmine on Hullabaloo and Ed Sullivan when I was a kid. You know, we're not that far apart in age, but still... I was playing music and I, I was going, wow, this version of, you know, you keep me hanging on is so cool. And I was a big Vanilla Fudge. And then I was a big Jeff Bogart and a piece. I actually did a record with Vargas, a guy uh, from Spain on, on Warner Brothers there with uh, Tim Bogart, Carmine, a piece. So it was Vargas, a Bogart and a piece featuring Paul Shortino. We did a lot of cover songs, but we did some of the, um, we did Lady, a video that's on YouTube of uh, the Beck Bogart version, and I got to sing it my way, and I was so honored that I got to play with Tim Bogart. But, um, yeah, Love Hurts. A friend of mine played the guitar work, a guy named Raj X, in the beginning of that song. And um, it was sitting around for a long time. It was Carmine's idea for that groove. But that front guitar work, all that acoustic, all that pretty guitar work in the very intro uh, was um, done by a dear friend who uh, was a dear fan as well. Uh, and he passed away at 50 from cancer this year. And he's on the record. Uh, he's uh, special thanks to Raj, who passed away. Mm -hmm. Incredible guitar player. Um, he said, wait, wait till these guitar players try to figure out how to play this intro. Because <laughs> he did it, not, not just chords, he did intro uh, individual strings doing certain things. So it'll be interesting doing that live. But uh, that's one of my favorite songs that uh, I'm glad that we put on there. Mm. Paul, I, I got just got a couple of questions before I leave you go. Um, I'm curious to know, uh, did Frankie Vinali or anyone approach you at all to rejoin Quite Riot after Kevin DeVroe passed away? Uh, 
Uh, no, Frankie, um, Frankie actually, uh, uh, Henry Carlos, uh, uh, I would, I would have wanted if we would have done that because Rudy was in the band when I first joined before he joined White State. And, uh, we were working on the record. When I got in Quiet Riot, Chuck Wright was playing bass and left the band. And we recorded, I was playing bass. And, um, so it was just a trio and we were rehearsing, uh, basically where Guitar Center is now. But that used to be War used to own that building and Charlie Chapman had a movie production company at that building and the Dio's bought that building and ended up we were quiet while I was rehearsing in that building and um, during pre-production and I brought Jimmy Waldo from Alcatraz into the picture and then um, Frankie met Sean McNabb at the Cat House and that's how we got a bass player. But Rudy joined the band for a while. And I have photos from the record company and they were all excited. And I think it would have been cool for Frankie, myself, Rudy, and Carlos put Quiet Riot back together in that version. And, um, but I think it was, uh, it was a control thing with, uh, shit. Hey Paul. Oh Lord, what, I tell you. What is it? Your dogs this time? Uh, no, it was a damn year again. <laughs> so, anyways, um, I think that would have been a great lineup. Yeah. And that would have been the real Quiet Riot, the second version of Quiet Riot. You know, because they really wanted to change the name a couple weeks before we released the album. Because it was so different, and I, uh, uh, once me and Carlos get the rights back to the, uh, we're working on that right now for the uh, album that we did together. Okay, I, I'd like to go in and fix some vocals and change some things around. So we'll probably do that, and um, yeah, I think that was, um, I think it was a control thing, Frankie. Um, I had control of the situation and, you know, he was, he went through a lot of singers. I mean, when you, uh, I did that interview for that uh, documentary that they did. Yeah. And we did some of it here in Las Vegas. And a lot of what I said was it was very political because I, I, they had one record that finished with Pasha when I joined the band. So they were keeping me away Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. Have mercy. Hey, Paul. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> they were getting, are we rolling? So, here we go. I'll finish this up for you. Um, we were, they brought me in, and they didn't want to, we had one year, they had one album to finish with Posture Records, and spent Spencer Proper, the producer. And then they wanted to go directly to CBS their manager. Okay, the, the problem was is that I was signed to Wendy Dio's management and so was Jimmy Waldo and we were doing pre-production so Jimmy couldn't be in the band from Alcatraz. 
Sean McNabb wasn't in, he couldn't, they wouldn't, they, they didn't, uh, Warren didn't want Wendy to sign him because then she would have myself, Jimmy, and uh, Sean, even though they weren't, uh, they were in the band, but they weren't the band. The band consisted of me, Carlos, and Mikey. But I, I believe that why things happen. I filled in for Kevin for three days, Rock Till You Drop uh, tour with Jackal. Vince Neal was on it, Tesla. And they did some dates in um, Texas, and then we did a outdoor events with uh, Quiet Riot and Tesla and Jackal and uh, Vince Neil. And uh, then I came back home. I filled in for Kevin for those dates because Kevin, you know, I don't know what's going on with him, but he wasn't showing up for the gigs. And... Um, so Frankie called me out of the blue and asked me if I would, you know, come and fill in for mm. Kevin. And that was the last time that I did anything with Kevin. I don't know what the relationship with Carlos and Kevin were, or um, uh, Frankie were, but I don't think they left on good terms. Um, so, you know, my whole thing was political because I was hid from the... Uh, we cut, once Once the producer heard my voice and everything, then we went in and cut three songs. Then we went into a year of litigation. Because they wanted, uh, Spencer owned all of the publishing and everything. They signed a deal like the old Motown deal, Quiet Ride did. And then all of a sudden they became huge. And the only reason they became huge was because the producer picked the right songs for them. They picked come on, feel the noise, and put them over the top. And then the second big hit was, of course, you know, Metal Health, and then Slick Back Cadillac. There was a lot of good songs off that record. And um, so I really believe that um, it really just came down to them trying to keep me away from Spencer. So we went and got three songs, Stay With Me Tonight, Your Time Is Gonna Come, and Big Changes. Carlos has those songs. A couple of those, I think, big changes or your time is going to come was written by Russ Ballard, who wrote The Man and the Mayor. Yep. And uh, one of the songs, I don't know if it was the time, uh, time is going to come was like, your time is going to come, come is almost like uh, the wild, the young. Dun, 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 dun. And they had... Um, I didn't lose you, did I? Are you still there? No, I'm still okay. here, Paul. I'm here. Uh, I don't trust these ears. So, <laughs> anyways, um, Tommy Lee and Frankie did a drum off in the middle of that, like a drum solo drum off. And that song never made it to the record or big changes, but Carlos has some really good mixed demos of those. Okay. Rough, rough mixes of those. And I think we'll put those on that uh, record that we did, uh, QR, the fourth album, yeah, and we release it. You know, I want to go in and fix some stuff that I did, but I like a lot of the things that Spencer made, you know, he got out of me to do. It was the first time our 
a producer just didn't say, go in there and sing and do your thing. You know, you got a great voice, go do what you do. Except for John Douglas told me how Stephen Dotto wrote songs. And he scats. <laughs> so I went in to do uh, Rock the USA. So everybody stop your engines, stop getting ready to roll. I was going to sing it like that. And he went out there and went, so right just go home and write the lyrics to that so i went home going so everybody start your engines time to get ready roll everybody every night everybody everywhere tonight we're gonna rock and roll welcome to the song and start tonight it was like taking it to jazz so <laughs> he kind of like turned me on to a different way of writing melodies and lyrics because he had worked with John Lennon, he's worked, he did a lot of the Aerosmith, Jack Douglas, did a lot of stuff. They were with, he was with John Lennon the night they were, uh, uh, they dropped him off at the Dakotas and he was shot. So mm. he, he shared some really crazy stories with us. But um, yeah, you know, I, I love still singing the songs that we, I record. Uh, there's so many that I've done, I've done a lot of records. I got this whole record that's sitting around that me, Michael Boss, Phil Suzan, and Carmine did. And eventually it'll probably be released, but uh, there's some really good stuff on there. Yeah. And um, Michael's a good songwriter uh, as well. But we did a record together called um, Chasing, Your Dream, Chasing My Dreams. I've done, you know, uh, Sacred Place, a solo record. Jimmy Crespo was on that, Brad Gillis, Carlos Cavallo, there's a lot of people on that record. Mm. I did a blues record that I want to re go in and redo my book, Vocals on Okay. Paul, I got two questions left, and they're both about Ronnie James Dio. Right? What's, what's the best piece of advice Ronnie James Dio ever gave to you that you still use today? Always stay humble and Meet your fans. Okay. Now, that, that and take the time to be with those fans. Stay humble. And uh, always do your best, you know. Get mm. out there and, you know, sing your best. Always do your best. Because that's one thing I will... And Ronnie was so confident of who he was in his voice that he gave rough cut white snake full power. You know, usually when you go out and you're warming up for a band, they don't, they hold back on the full power. And then when the main act comes up, they have full power. So it's a bigger impact. He wasn't insecure about any of that kind of stuff. Uh, also working with him in the studio was, we got to find Paul. We got to find Paul. We got to find who you are and you need to be true to yourself. And those are the things I learned from, from Ronnie James Dio. Mm. Paul, one of the things that I've, I've gotten from interviews of people I've done over the years, and I've spoken to a lot of people who worked with Ronnie and who knew him, um, apparently he had an amazing ability in remembering people's names that he'd met in the past. Did you ever experience that firsthand? Absolutely. That's one thing I try to remember, too. And it's, it's rough to do. Yeah. It's all movie. 
and an Australian guy uh, knew this young girl, and uh, she she was a snob. Well, somebody stole her purse, and he got stabbed. Well, she didn't know his name. She's he saved her purse, and she went to the hospital, and she wasn't family. So they wouldn't let her know if he was okay or if he wasn't. And he had given her name, but she forgot it. And to me, that's something that's very important. I remember faces, but I not remember names, but I certainly try to remember people's names. Ronnie was brilliant at it. And um, he was pretty much brilliant at everything. Yeah, mm. he, he, he had a big heart. Yeah. You know, and he could be a tough guy when he was running the show because you always have to have somebody that that is you know strong and consistent and that's one thing Juan James Theo was he was a very strong consistent uh, when he sang he was strong and consistent his voice was always strong and consistent he never apparently he never won. apparently Paul he never even warmed up before a show and I didn't either, you know, I, yeah. I was so grateful. And um, we we just, we, we really hit it off, you know, me and him. Mm. Uh, I'm, um, I'm really, uh, I really, really miss the fact that I had a chance to, uh, I had family that showed up the day that uh, Carmine and everybody went to see Ronnie before he passed. And I uh, I was put in a position where I had family members that came out of town and I couldn't really leave, uh, but I wish I would have and, and saw Ronnie one last time. Mm. Before. Yeah, well, Paul... But in I... a way, I guess I'm kind of glad that I didn't because I remember him, the strong... Con- you know, yeah, uh, the strong little man that he, that he was, you know, with the big voice. Yeah. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. You too, my friend, Richie, and let's stay in touch, okay? I will. All right, God bless you, Richie. Right, take I'll care talk yourself. to you soon, all right? Yeah, take Have a care. Great life. You too. Bye. You too. There you go, Richie's chat with Paul Shortino. Great album out now by King Colbert. Enjoying that one. And actually, truth be told, I almost forgot to do this episode this week. You know, I did the edits on Monday. I had all the audio all set, all lined up. And then I spaced it the entire week. So now it comes to Friday. And I'm going through some albums that I haven't put away yet. And then I'm looking at the King Cobra album. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I got to put the freaking episode together. So that's when it was, all right, well, remind myself. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of where my head's been at this week. Just really busy to the point that, yeah, I could actually do all the audio on one day and space it the rest of the week about actually putting the show and mixing and mastering and getting it out. But uh, thankfully, home early for a holiday weekend, going through some vinyl, and it triggered my little feeble metal skull this week. So there you go. You get some focus on metal for the Labor Day weekend here in the States. And uh, just, hey, the weekend everywhere else. So go and pick up your own copy of uh, King Cobra, We Are Warriors, or even the Blue Dahlia album with our buddy Tracy G. And there's all kinds of other stuff Paul mentioned as well. Plenty of stuff to choose from. 
But anyways, for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next time, as always, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. You're still here? It's over. Go home.